We are in a series right now called The Bridge, and it's continuing crossing the great divide, bringing the kingdom of heaven into the realm of this earth. And the Bible says in Matthew 6 and verse number 9, and Jesus said, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And if you have the King James or New King James, it goes on to say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What we've been talking about over the last three and four weeks is we've been talking about a series called The Bridge. And there's this huge chasm that many believers think is out there between heaven and earth. And we are, hit the way Bible church, crossing that great divide from heaven into the realm of this earth. And we've always used this analogy throughout this series. If the kingdom of heaven, God is trying to get us here because the word says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it it is in heaven. If God is trying to get the kingdom here on this earth, what we got to begin to understand is God is the ultimate quarterback and what he's trying to deliver us right here is the kingdom. And if God is trying to deliver us the kingdom, that means if he's the quarterback, this is the kingdom, we must be the receiver of his kingdom. The problem is many Christians believe God is delivering the kingdom from up there, but we're stuck down here in the field of play called the earth and we have this thing out there called the enemy or the defense trying to stop the kingdom from getting to us. And so what God does is God puts the kingdom in a place where us as the receiver can catch it, but the enemy can't touch it, amen? The Bible says in Ephesians that you have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. That means you have access to the blessing where the devil can't touch it, but you can grab a hold of it. Even though you're up there, you're still planted here in this earth, so therefore we can touch heaven and change this earth. In this series, we're gonna touch heaven and change earth, and the title of this morning's message is Mac versus PC. Now, some of y'all may not know what I'm talking about. You have two different kinds of computers out there. You have the Mac, and you have all the rest, which are are considered PCs. I am a Mac person through and through, and, and I'm excited about my Mac products, but then I go to work on my wife's PC, and I'm like, goodness, this is absolutely the toughest thing I've ever done in my life, because it's for analytical style people, and that's not me, and the, the Mac is for common sense style people, and that's me. But the real issue, what I want to talk about this morning, is really not Mac versus PC, it's Macs and PCs, and how computers are the main source of our information in the technology age today. Computers, not just computers. Computers, but today you don't just have computers, you have smart TVs, which are smarter than most of us. And so we got technology, and we are in the information age and the technological age. And with all these technology advances going on and things taking place, technology is our main source of where we get our information from. And the problem we are dealing with in the body of Christ is we got earthly intelligence versus kingdom knowledge. And in this earthly intelligence versus kingdom knowledge battle, we must begin to bridge the great divide because if God is the the author of life and if God is omniscient and omnipresent and all-knowing God that means God doesn't have an IQ he just has I because he created intelligence and IQ means intelligence quotient which is how you measure it but you can't measure the intelligence of God because he created intelligence in this age of earthly intelligence don't you think God knew everything that we would think is so intelligent here on earth before we even thought of it and I love the series we went through last year in discipleship groups and it says don't you know that it's neat that nothing just ever occurred to God God never said oh wow that's a great idea in this information age, we must begin to bridge the gap of earthly intelligence with kingdom knowledge. And we have three main areas. And the first one I want to address just for a moment is the area of education. Education is our main source of knowledge. The problem is we study courses like science and history, which are studies of the natural things of earth. It's the science is the study of the natural things of earth, the natural goings of earth, the natural order of things in the earth. You have the periodic table. You have all the elements. We have all this intelligence 
intelligence, but it deals with the natural. And then you have history. You can go back and you can say, this happened at this certain date, and this happened at this certain date, and this happened in the Chinese culture, and this happened in the German culture, and this happened in the South American culture, and this happened in the third world cultures years and years ago, and you can timeline it, and it's all about the natural order of things. And the problem that we face with our education is we simply study the natural order of things, and we, in education, and rightly so, you push away the supernatural side, and we just focus on the natural. And so therefore, there's this huge war going on, and I like to call it science versus religion. And everybody says they don't mix. The fact of the matter is, it's not that they don't mix, it's one is the study of all natural things, where religion or the spiritual belief, we believe in the natural because I'm natural, I'm here, you can touch me, you can hit me, you can kick me, you can, and so you have the natural side of things, but we don't reject the supernatural side of things. And so it's not that science is wrong, and it's not science versus religion, what it is, is religion takes into account the natural and the supernatural, where science is just designed to deal with the very natural side of things. Amen? And so in this, when we study the Bible and we study the scripture and, the, and we gain uh, kingdom knowledge of things, we must begin to do this. We must begin to take the Bible for what it is. And now let me explain what I mean by that. The Bible is not an all-encompassing history book. The Bible is not a, a science book. The Bible does contain elements of science, and the Bible does contain elements of history. What the Bible is, is the Bible is the historical record of the redemptive plan of God to bring Jesus Christ into a lost and dying, broken humanity, bring him to a place, live a natural life on this earth, be crucified, die on a cross, and then be buried, and three days later, raised again supernaturally from the dead, stay on this earth for 40 days, ascend into heaven, send the Holy Spirit down 10 days after the ascension for Pentecost to usher in the age of the church to bring the redemption work of God to completion. Amen. And so we must not begin to say science is wrong or religion is wrong. We must take both for exactly what they are. And when we as the body of Christ will understand that the reason why, and I could make a stretch and say, yes, dinosaurs are mentioned in the Bible, but the reason why dinosaurs aren't paramount in the Bible is this. They really don't play an essential part in the redemptive plan of Christ. So what are you worried about if a dinosaur was here or not? They were here. We got fossils. I can't deny it. But I'm not going to hang up my theology on it because I didn't see Tyrannosaurus Rex in Acts chapter number 3. Because some of y'all have hung up your theology because you can't find the dinosaurs pre-flood or post-flood. And then somebody comes to you and says, what about dinosaurs? Here's your answer. It was not paramount to be in the Bible for the redemptive plan of Jesus Christ to take place. God didn't forget about them. It just wasn't paramount for the scriptures for me to get born again. So we must not begin to confuse the two, and we must begin to bridge the gap of knowledge or the natural or earthly intelligence of education with kingdom knowledge. The next area I want to talk to you about very briefly this morning is everybody say Hollywood. Everybody's like, oh, see, I heard it in your voice. You got Hollywood because you began to think, maybe you think you know where I'm going. Everybody imagine me with me just for a minute this scenario. There's a lady in her mid-30s sitting at her office desk, and she gets a text, and the minute she opens up her text, it kind of makes her blush. And the text message says, hey, call the babysitter and tell them that you're going to be late and meet me at our certain spot. And y'all are thinking, oh, no, this is going downhill fast. And so the lady does it, and she calls the babysitter and says, meet me at this certain spot. And she shows up there, and this man is there, and he's got this beautiful picnic laid out along a nice serene river. And all the ladies are like, oh. And all the men are like, you're killing me. And then they walk up, and then they have this long embrace together. And y'all are thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't believe he's telling this story in, in church. In fact, they were selling their 15-year wedding anniversary. 
And many of y'all are like, oh, that wasn't very fun. That, didn't, that wasn't very good. See, because most of y'all thought I was going along the lines of somebody is setting up a scenario for an adulterous situation when Hollywood, the main source of our information, or I'm sorry, the main source of our influence in our life has set us up for family values that are not family-oriented, and yet we let that influence us more than the book of Song of Solomon that talks about a godly marriage and a godly, passionate relationship between a husband and a wife. And the fact of the matter is many of you guys were on board with this whole scenario until you found it out was husband and wife, and then you said, ooh, it's kind of gross, because you automatically think of your mom and dad. <laughs> See, the problem is we got this huge chasm in our influence. We got this huge chasm in our influence, and our influence is influenced by Hollywood. And in fact, Hollywood has done a great job of influencing the American culture to a place where we think there is this huge chasm of earthly intelligence of our influence on what family really should be, such as the TV show Modern Family, and some of y'all know what I'm talking about, or have we let the word of God be the driving influence, and have we brought kingdom knowledge into our family that will suppress earthly intelligence on what the world thinks the family should be? And so if we're going to bridge this great divide in the American culture day, if we're going to bridge this great divide with all the information we're getting, whether you get it through a television set or whether you get it through a computer or whether you get it through, through any means of your cell phone or whatever, we must begin to bridge this gap and realize that all this junk that's out there that Hollywood is producing is not reality. I don't care how much they say it's reality TV. Do you want to know the truth about reality TV shows? Reality TV shows have to meet a script. They got to have so many four-letter words in so many minutes of every episode, and they got to have so much drama or it will not make reality TV. This is why Duck Dynasty is a phenomenon, because they said, we're not going to do all this. We are going to be us. We will talk about Jesus on here, and it's exploding on the market. And so don't fool yourself into thinking that the world doesn't want to hear about this Jesus stuff. They may not want to hear about it, but they definitely want to see you live it because when you start live it, then they'll start being interested in it. The problem is we have not crossed the chasm of earthly intelligence with kingdom knowledge in the area of influence in the United States of America. So in this process, we must begin to cross this bridge of the influence of Hollywood. And I'm not just particularly blaming Hollywood. Hollywood is just a... a, a, a a dimension of the media and the way influence comes in. The other area we need to cross the third chasm I want to bring up this morning is how many of y'all know about Facebook? Even if you don't have one, you've heard about it. Everybody's kind of like, I don't know if I want to raise my hand or not. <laughs> That's okay. I got a Facebook page and I got a Twitter account and I got Instagram and I got LinkedIn and I'm not getting any more because, man, there's just too much junk out there to try and keep up with. Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with social media. The problem with social media is this. You use it as the main source of your information rather than letting God be the source of your knowledge. We let social media drive America today. America is driven by social media. Hey, did you see the last quarterly report for Facebook? Zuckerberg's a pretty rich man. And he don't even have to give a tenth to our church. I mean, he can give a tenth of a tenth of a tenth, and I'd be happy. Now listen, social media drives America. Twitter drives America. Instagram, all these things, it's driving America. Why? Because it's the main readily active source for your information, maybe not on a global scale, but on your scale and your world. Everybody you know is on Facebook, and so you want to get into their business, you just click on their page, and you can do what everybody says. You can Facebook stalk them. <laughs> Y'all are like, you're getting way too into my business this morning. <laughs> I'm not in your business. <laughs> 
I just know what goes on in the real world. I'm not ignorant about what takes place. In fact, it's made me so much more aware of how we must cross this chasm of the great divide and we must bring heavenly knowledge, kingdom knowledge. We must touch heaven and bring kingdom knowledge into the realm that we live in. And I want us to begin to touch heaven in such a way that social media in our church begins to change. Can I get an amen? I mean, some of you are like, ooh, I don't know if I like that. I want social media in our church to change. I want it to change so much to the point that when you are on Facebook, you spend, for every minute you spend on Facebook, you spend one minute in the book. And before you put something on Facebook, you better read a scripture out of the book. And I love this qualification. Excuse me while I rant. <laughs> that means excuse me while I'm about to make an idiot of myself and forgive me later because I've qualified that I'm about to say something I shouldn't say. <laughs> about something I said, somebody I shouldn't say it about. Rather than, okay, God, I am finding myself in a stressful situation, I am closing God's computer, the Mac, and I'm going to get in touch with the Heavenly Father. Social media should not drive you as a believer. If you spend more time on Facebook than the book, you're wrong, and you can take me to the grave on that one. If you spend more time in social media than you do socializing with your Heavenly Father, you're off. If you wake up and the first thing you look at is Facebook instead of getting your face in the book, you're wrong. If the first thing that happens in the morning is you wake up and you say, I need to see what's going on in the world today, you, what you really need to say is exactly what Zig Ziglar always said. I wake up in the morning and I do two things. The first thing I do is I look in the book to find what's going on in the real world, and then I read the newspaper to find out what's going on in our world. I read the book to find what's going on in the real world, God's world, God's realm. If you're a believer and you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, we must begin to find what's going on in God's realm and if this is the case if these three huge chasms are taking place in the American culture today and let's just not say American culture let's say our culture Sulphur Springs this northeast Texas region what happened where did this all begin when did all these problems start it began way before Mac and PC ever came into existence I'll go ahead and tell you this is what happened this is when it all started what happened is this Adam was a spirit-led or spirit-controlled man. Adam was in tune with God in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says God mocked with man in the evening, of, in, the, in the cool of the day, in the time of the evening breeze. God had a connection with man because man was a spirit-led man. He was in contact with God. There was a direct line of communication. Man made a decision to sin. He made a conscious mental decision to sin, which cut off the spiritual influence in his life. So now that the spiritual influence was cut off, he was no longer a spirit-led man. He was simply an intellectually-led man, and he started having to make decisions on his own without God, the author of intelligence. So therefore, Adam began to operate in earthly intelligence rather than kingdom knowledge. And so how did it all begin? Adam made a conscious decision in the area of his mind to sin. It cut off the spirit-led thinking between Adam and God. So now Adam is just a secular thinking man trying to make good decisions, not necessarily God decisions because God's been cut off, good decisions on his own. And so in this process of Adam being cut off and no longer being a spirit-led man, he was simply an intellectually-led man. And now this goes what the Bible says about it in 2 Corinthians 4.4. It says, in their case, the God, little G-O-D, of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So after Adam sinned and the connection with God was cut off and Adam is over here operating in intellect, God is over here trying to still get heavenly knowledge to him and he has been ever since the plan of redemption was put in place. God's trying to get heavenly knowledge to him so Adam's operating in earthly intellect. The Bible says Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the mind, the cognitive thinking area of your head to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why the world rejects Jesus to this day. 
He has blinded their minds, the Bible says, to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And if the devil can keep your mind blinded, the area of your earthly intelligence blinded from the gospel or kingdom knowledge, he'll keep you in bondage and keep you from heaven all the days of your life. And you will never touch heaven and transform this earth. So in this process, when God begins to work, he is trying to restore you to be a spirit-led thinking man and woman of God. See, because when Adam was spirit-led, he didn't mean he didn't use his mind. He used his mind very much. God said, Adam, you name all the creatures of the earth. So Adam had to think about what he was going to name them, but he did it with the leading of the Spirit of God to begin to name them. So it didn't mean he didn't think. It means he thought led by the Spirit of God. We need to become a church, a group of believers that thinks being led by the Spirit of God. And when you begin to begin, uh, begin to think being led by the Spirit of God, you'll start making Spirit-led decisions, and you'll be known as a Spirit-led thinking man and woman of God. See, the problem with the church today is people say, oh, if you're led by the Spirit, you can't think. No, you couldn't be more wrong. The problem is you quit thinking, thinking you're led by the Spirit, and that's not even Bible. God gave you a mind not to surpass it. He gave you a mind to use it in coordination with the intelligence of His Spirit. Some of y'all are like, I've never heard this before. Well, good, it's about time you've heard it. So we can be spirit-led thinking men and women of God in this region. Now, let me tell you the depth that this went to when Adam cut off the spirit-led part of him and he just became an intelligent person or earthly intelligent person. This did not just affect the conscious. It also affected the subconscious, which is 90% of your brain function. It affected your subconscious. What does all your subconscious begin to affect? Your subconscious is this. It's your short-term and your long-term memory. Your subconscious is everything in your brain that you are unaware of, but it still affects you. There are things that happen to you as a child that your brain has logged in memory that you don't even remember. That's why you react a certain way when somebody does something, and it causes you to react a way, and you're like, where did that come from? It's because there's something in your subconscious that was triggered that your conscious doesn't remember, but because you are cut off and you're not a spirit-led thinking man and woman of God, you're simply thinking by earthly intelligence, you have earthly reactions, and you're a believer, and you're saying, why do I keep messing up and keep doing the same things over and over? Well, it's because you're not thinking according to the spirit. You're still thinking according to earthly intelligence, knowing that kingdom knowledge is out there somewhere. And so in this process, your subconscious goes on to affect every area of your life. It even affects your peripheral vision, and it affects the the audible sounds that you hear that you didn't even know you hear. You can hear sounds and you didn't even know you hear them, but your brain logs them. Listen, Carnegie Mellon's um, Robotic Institute records this. Your brain can process over 100 million thoughts a day or brain functions a day. 100 million, and you don't, remember, you don't remember hardly any of them. And if your brain is logging over 100 million thought processes or activities in a day and you don't remember all of them, then that means a lot of your brain function and activity is not spirit-led brain function and activities. And everybody says, how did Adam name all the animals? Well, when you can use 100% of your brain power and you can remember it all because the connection between God was not cut off, well, it becomes a lot easier because you're operating at God's power in thinking, not your power in thinking, amen? How many of you know in the, the worst day on your marriage you wish you would have operated in God's power in thinking? Everybody say amen. How many of you know on the worst day of your job, you wish you would have just stepped back, closed your God's computer, the Mac, and you would have said, I'm going to think like a spirit-led man and woman of God. And there are times when me and my wife will hold each other accountable, where we will be talking and discussing things, and we will be very upset about a situation. And you're like, man, if I could just put this on Facebook, and I'm like, don't you do it. Don't you do it, because y'all want it on the internet, it don't come back. And she'll hold me to it, and I'll be like, oh, Joel, you're better than that. And no, I'm not, because I'm thinking it. And I want to be bad right now. I don't care about it right now. God forgives. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Seriously, 
Y'all are welcome to get up here and preach this if you don't deal with that stuff. I mean, really. And so in these processes, your mind that was cut off from God needs to be reconnected with God Almighty to become a spirit-led thinking man and woman of God. Even it goes to the point of developing your personality, your habits, your traits, everything about you that you don't like. I don't know why this is bothering me, but it just, well, it's because it's logged in your subconscious somewhere, even to your personality traits. And some of you don't even like your own personality, but you don't know how to change it. I'll tell you how to change it. You must tap in and become a spirit-led thinking man and woman of God. Quit worrying about your earthly education, your earthly influence through Hollywood, and your earthly social media information that you're trying to get. Start getting the information from Almighty God, and God will begin to change the very fiber and fabric of your DNA to a redeemed person who you are in Christ. And God will begin to transform your world because you're touching heaven now and changing your life. And so that's what happened at the fall of man. It goes on to talk about this. This is why a new creation in Christ Jesus never experiences change. Have you ever wondered why some people get born again and they get radically saved is what we call it. And it really shouldn't be radically saved. It should be that's normal saved. <laughs> Amen. I mean, they get radically saved and they quit smoking. They throw the pack of cigarettes on the altar and they walk out. I ain't touched a cigarette since I got saved 20 years ago. And you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And you're like, and then you leave here saying, why couldn't that be me? And you're getting mad at God. The word of God goes on to say this. We have let the blood of Jesus forgive us, but we have not let the blood of Jesus purify us to a good conscience. We've let the blood of Jesus forgive us. We, we receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We love the forgiveness of God Almighty. We are quick to ask for forgiveness. And, I, and believe me, I access my rights of forgiveness. Amen. I, I appreciate the grace of God in that area. And so we are quick to receive and ask for forgiveness, but we are not quick to let the word of God purify our minds to a good conscience. What that means is we are quick to repent and say, God, I'm sorry, but we're not quick to think ahead so we don't even commit the sin in the first place. Listen, if you struggle with something, don't go near it. You hear the Spirit of God saying, stay away, stay away. And you're like, what's that voice? And then you commit the sin and you're like, oh, God. Right? Here we go again. Some of you are like, not me. Yes, you. Begin to let the word of God purify your conscience or your conscious thinking. It's not the good and bad. It's not the angel and the devil sitting on your shoulder. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about purify your conscience, the mind, the thinking, the area that your, your thought processes take place. The only way that can begin to happen is you got to begin to understand the redemptive plan of Jesus Christ. He didn't just die so you get to heaven one day. He came and died on a cross to forgive you of your sins, but God didn't see him fit for him to just stay dead he wanted him raised again into newness of life so you can have a new life in Christ Jesus and that means a new way of thinking about your life and some of you if you would start thinking about your life a little different according to God's perspective you may put a smile on your face a little bit more often and you may not be the person that you detest so much in your life and so this is the reason people get born again but a change never takes place and I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying it's time to take the gospel for what it is, not just a ticket to heaven, but an all-encompassing salvation that begins here on this earth that is, comes to a culmination when we get to heaven, and then we begin to rule and reign in righteousness with our Savior for an eternity and forevermore. Amen. And so in this process, let the Word of God begin to purify your conscious, your conscious thinking. And basically the easiest way to say it is God will get your mind out of the gutter. And watch God do amazing things in your life. This is where it comes to a, a head. The kingdom of God is beginning to see things we were meant to see here on earth from God's perspective of his kingdom. The kingdom of God is beginning to th see things here on this earth from God's perspective of his kingdom. You need to begin to look at your life from God's perspective, not your job's perspective. 
Some of you last week, and I so appreciate whoever sent me a note in the mail that says, tagged, I'm praying for you. Man, that made my week because that was the, I had two bright spots last week out of about seven days, and that was one of them. And I say thank you to whoever did that. I greatly appreciate it because I needed it that day. And in that process, at that moment when I opened that card and it said tag, I reminded myself, Joel, you're a stranger in this land. You're a foreigner passing through. This is not your home. But while you're here, you're called to be an example for the Lord Jesus Christ. So you need to start looking at your situation of your bad week from a godly perspective. When you begin to take great steps and great strides in your faith walk, I'm telling you, God's going to get you through. Notice I didn't say you're going to go through a bunch of junk. I said God's going to get you through. And I am seeing God do amazing things since we begin to bridge the gap and see things from his perspective and view it here on this earth. And when we begin to see things from his perspective and view it on this earth, Romans 12, 2 comes into play. Listen to this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Do not conform any longer to the educational system of this world. Now, I love all you teachers in here, and you do a great job. And I am not bashing our education system. Hear me on that. But your education system that you get in school, you better take it into perspective of full life. Because you realize when you are walking out of this building, you are not a physical person first. You are a spiritual being that has a soul, and you exist in this physical body. Science doesn't tell you that, neither does history. So you must take it for who you are when you leave here and apply science and history to your life. I am a big believer in education. That's why I got my business degree and then started all over in school. I've been in, I just got out of school for 30 years of my life. I just got out of school. I believe in education, but education in the proper perspective from a kingdom standpoint. And so do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. So in education, Put it in perspective. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of Hollywood. And if the Kardashians are your hero, we need to have a talk. Thank you, Jesus. If your girls ever start dressing like Snooki, we're really going to have a conversation. Thank you, Jesus. And the next pop star that comes along, they're going to go out in a blaze. They're flashing a pan. Jesus has been a superstar for 2,000 years, and he hadn't faded. In fact, his legacy's only getting bigger. And I continually look east because it's fixing to come to a conclusion, and we're going to watch God do something great. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of social media. You can have social media. I don't care what you have. You have Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Interest, Vine, whatever's all out there. I don't care. Keep it in check. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Now, we've talked this whole time about touching the heaven transforming earth be transformed by the renewing of your mind it doesn't say the renewing of your spirit the bible says when you are led by the spirit of god you will not make decisions that facilitate the lust of the flesh when you are led by the spirit of god you will not make carnal minded decisions when you're led by the spirit of god you'll close god's computer the mac and and not put a rant on facebook that's what it's saying you will be transformed in the area of your mind not your spirit it doesn't say spirit your spirit has been made new with the with the salvation of jesus christ it's alive it's connected with god again it's this that's got to change hey listen when this changes this will change See, your spirit doesn't have a problem telling your body you need to go work out. It's your mind that says, I'd rather eat a donut. <laughs> Give me a donut sounds really good right now. I hadn't eaten since 2 o'clock yesterday. When your spirit begins to lead, the decisions of the mind will always begin to submit to the leading of the spirit, but you must begin to put the spirit of God in control in your life and let your mind begin to operate under the influence of the Holy Spirit, not the influence of Hollywood and Facebook and education. And when your mind begins to facilitate the spirit of God, you wonder how Jesus went on a 40-day fast. I don't because when you are led by the spirit, the flesh begins to fall under submission. And listen, the biggest trouble we face in fasting as a church, it's not the area of 
of the Spirit, your spirit is willing. It's the flesh that's weak. It's the day you decide to fast and somebody brings pig in the blankets and donuts to work. And you say, oh, it must be just be the blessing of the Lord. No, it ain't. It's the temptation of the devil. Don't submit. I'll never forget when I went on a seven-day fast about a year ago, just, just water for seven days. And never fails, and I've done it twice, and every time I do it, I have more people offer to buy me lunch and breakfast that week than ever. Hey, what are you doing this week? I'd love to buy you lunch. Really? Couldn't have called last week? Are you serious? Can I get a rain check for next week? No, I'm packed next week. I really just had some free time this week. Wanted to sit down and get with you. Really? Do you see what I'm saying? You must begin to let the Spirit of God infiltrate this area of your thinking. And you guys, it is a battlefield of the mind. But when you begin to fight the good fight of faith, and when you begin to walk being led by the Spirit of God because you are sons and daughters of God, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In fact, God will begin to elevate you. He will begin to make your life a lampstand. He will begin to raise you up in your workplace. He will begin to raise you up on the home front. He will begin to raise you up in your family. He will begin to raise you up to another level. People will begin to look at you for prayer. People will begin to look at you for ministry. People will begin to come to you for wise counsel because they know that you're operating out of your mind and in his spirit. But it doesn't mean you don't think. It means you think according to the Spirit of God. It's not Mac versus PC. It's are you going to use the Spirit of God to influence your life more than the technology that you have that brings you education, influence, and information.